The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Schub. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, Leadership Matters. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in to Leadership Matters, informing leaders and inspiring solutions. I'm Linda Schub, your host for this episode. And I'm in San Diego, California, with OEC Strategic Solutions. I work as a strategic planning and leadership development consultant for nonprofit, public, and the corporate sector. I'm co-hosting, I'm being co-hosted with Jenny Frumer from West Palm Beach, Florida. She is the CEO of the Alper Jewish Family and Children's Services, and Jenny is one of the founders of this program, so thank you for co-hosting today, Jenny. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you. Uh-huh. Um, today, we'll continue on with December's theme, which has been about organizational culture, and I'm very excited that today we have several people, uh, two guests with us who come from completely different backgrounds. Um, first, not in any specific order, we have um, Evan Donaldson, who is the, has a very long job title, the Regional Managing Director of Technical Services for the East Ridge Infotech and Abbott Infotech organization. So um, he will tell us about his view of culture, but it's fascinating that when Evan places IT people into other people's organizations, there's kind of a double entendre of culture fit that goes along with that. And our second guest today is Dr. Tina Gray, who is a professor at San San Diego State University. In fact, just as an aside, all of us except you today, Jenny, on the phone are alumni of San Diego State, a prestigious university. (laughs) And so we bring lots of, uh, or perhaps we have some common uh, perceptions. Um, Tina Gray, just to finish her biography, she teaches in the College of Business Administration, is the president of Gray Gilliam Company, which coaches and consults in uh, career coaching and organizational strategy. So, and of course, we have Jenny Frumer with us, who is good at everything and demonstrates her leadership all the time. So let me get some of your voices here. I think I will start with you, Tita. Could you please introduce yourself and a little bit of your background and take three or four minutes just to share with us 
how you became interested in this whole topic. Oh, great. Thank you. Hi, Linda and Jenny and, and Evan. Um, well, first I have to start off by saying I haven't gotten, haven't received my doctorate yet. I'm a doctoral student at San Diego State and a full-time professor, so uh, adjunct professor. So I just wanted to make that, that clear, but it sounded so good to hear Dr. T. Gray. <laughs> I can't wait until that's actually legitimate. So um, as you said, I, I work for um, San Diego State. I teach in the School of, of um, Business and Management Courses, Organizational Behavior, as well as leadership in organizations. Um, I moved from the Bay Area where I worked uh, in diversity and inclusion for Pacific Gas and Electric Company, and prior to that, lived in New York City and worked in economic development in several other sectors. Um, my, my, um, when I moved to San Diego, my, uh, what I had, my dream came true. I wanted to teach, and I wanted to start a small business where I could help organizations with organizational behavior strategies. Um, I have a master's degree from San Francisco State and an undergraduate degree from Baruch College at the City University of New York. And my interest now is to look at uh, providing some research on self-awareness and um, self-efficacy and really try to help um, young men and women who are dealing with those issues as they go from university to uh, the workforce. Hmm, great. Thank you so much. Evan, would you take a minute to introduce yourself? Sure. Hi. Um, my name is Evan Donaldson. I'm the Regional Managing Director for Technical Services for Eastridge Infotech and Abbott Infotech, and uh, we are responsible for placing technical folks at um, fairly high levels for companies throughout uh, the West Coast and in some cases with some of our divisions uh, throughout the country. Part of the reason that uh, this topic is so interest, uh, of such interest to me is understanding the cultural fit for a lot of my clients is a very difficult and intangible type of a, of a, of a thing. It's a, something that they need to do in order to hire the right employees who are going to stick around, do a good job, and add optimized performance to their uh, enterprise. And yet very few companies really understand what it means to uh, do selection and recruiting based on cultural fit. And despite the fact I hear from a lot of leaders that, you know, you can train for skills but hire for culture, then they turn around and hire for skills and wonder why things don't work out. So uh, it's definitely a topic that is uh, near and dear to my heart and very, uh, uh, you know, very important out in the community. Hmm. So um, <clears throat> let's talk for a few. Uh, Jenny, you want to add anything now that you've heard introductions? Well, I'm really excited, and I wish I could stay for the whole show. I'm going to be actually having to leave at half time. Um, I think the, there are two questions that I, I kind of really have, if I may, Linda. Um, Tita, you mentioned self-efficacy and really wanting to help students. Can you talk a little bit more about how that's related to the cultural piece? Well, I find that a lot of students, say, if, you, if you think about it, many are coming from out of state and you'll face a different culture. Um, if you're coming from the East Coast, as I did, to California, it's a completely different culture. Uh, students that are coming from international to the United States, completely different culture. And going from home to now being in um, a four-year institution and the rules and the policies are very different from what you know at home and you're coming into a very different culture. And for students, that culture going into academia can be very different depending on if you're going into a community college, a four-year university, a private or a public school. So I find that a lot of students um, where I have really close relations uh, with them, 
they they will say questions to me as they're beginning to graduate or getting ready to move forward um, as a senior, and they'll say things like, you know, I really don't, I'm not, I don't feel very comfortable leaving school. Um, I, what should I do? Like, how should I act mm-hmm. as I move? Because they're so, they've had four years of one particular culture that they're used to. Mm-hmm. And they, they ask, how do I act with people who are older? You know, it's almost the assumption that everybody in the workforce is going to be a lot older than them. And so I find that having a strong sense of self-awareness, along with self-efficacy, having that belief in themselves that they can do it, is as important as having that degree. Mm-hmm. It's not more important. Mm-hmm. Thank so you, that's, Now, that's fascinating. Evan, the part you didn't say about yourself is that you used to be a teacher and how much you love teaching and how that kind of aligns with what Tita is saying. Do you want to add anything? And I know Jenny has a second question. Well, I think that part of uh, what I learned as a classroom teacher and as a, as, a, as a TA also as well is that, you know, there, you have to make accommodations for different people's styles in order to have a successful uh, culture. That said, you also need to make sure that you're working with people so that they can uh, basically perform well within the culture that you have in a given classroom, which also transfers to what I do today uh, in, in companies. I mean, companies have a particular culture, and it's very important and very valuable for them to be exposed to cultural diversity and different types of, of approaches um, but also it's important for people coming in from the outside to be uh, a good fit for what's existing there right now. So it's kind of a two-way street, and uh, I think my teaching experience helps me also be able to communicate that both to the clients and to the uh, candidates as well. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because um, as we've talked about culture, there's so many definitions that can be defined kind of in what I think of as the older way, which is culture is uh, race, gender, um, ethnicity. Then we kind of went to defining that diversity and culture along how do you think, which is like a civil engineer, a structural engineer, a uh, mechanical engineer. And now we talk about culture, and we mean the whole climate and the, atmosphere that people experience when they're around other people, the organization, that whole uh, fitting in, um, which didn't seem, didn't used to be the number one priority. Now it seems to be equal priority with technical capability. Well, Linda, if it's Evan, if I may, it's, it's not just the fitting in, too. It's also going, uh, going the other way. In fact, this morning I had a case where I, I have uh, a high-level candidate for a position who is, uh, comes from a background where everything you do in life is a, is a negotiation. And it's very difficult for my clients to understand when they say, hey, you know, this particular position pays $160,000 and has benefit A and benefit B and benefit C, and you go to the candidate, and, the, and they're used to a completely different mindset where there is no final answer, there is no number, it's always a constant negotiation, and, and it, what you said about explaining, you know, to, to fit into the organization is important, but also going back to my clients and saying, listen, it's not that they're not interested in you, it's not that they don't like you, it's just that there's a very different, they're coming from a different perspective, it's a different mindset, and, and being able to integrate those different mindsets in a way that's the least harmful and the most beneficial, the optimized way is, I think, what the, the, the you know, the, the meat of the topic. 
Interesting. Jenny, what? I think that is um, really interesting, and I'm not sure that we spend time within our organizations, I'm obviously generalizing, that really talks about that culture. It's kind of, you know, how do you articulate culture? And then the other piece of it is what is the logic of culture? And sometimes we don't always know how we get to that belief system. It's just something we don't do or we do it this way, and it kind of is bigger than an external from any individual self. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, um, to use your example, people aren't always aware of that and, they, and, and think that it is about me and how I'm able to negotiate this right up front. Right. Right. And I hear music, so this is a perfect time to phase out for a commercial break Please do stay with us for more of this fascinating discussion. Um, Stay tuned. More with our guests on Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, and Inspiring Solutions. business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. G. Her email address is drg at innovisions.org. Innovisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Schub. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. Or send an email to drg at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Hello, we are back with more on Leadership Matters, bringing you greetings and holiday greetings from Linda Schub in San Diego, Jenny Frumer in West Palm Beach, Florida, 
Evan Donaldson and Tita Gray as our guests today as we're discussing um, organizational culture. And um, did anyone need to finish a thought before we move on, or can I prompt you with a question? Go ahead. Go ahead. Please. Okay. Yep. Evan, let's start with you. Um, can you think about a time or describe one particular uh, culture-related challenge that you encountered um, as you were trying to uh, make the match between a candidate and a and a corporate personality almost is a way to describe that, but some kind of challenge that you've had and what made it challenging and what you did. I'm sure you're so great at resolving problems and uh, successfully working with your clients that you resolved it. Well, you know, it's, it's, it you thank it. you, Linda. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. One of the things I run into quite frequently when we're talking about organizational culture is the difference between sort of small startup type organizations and how they run things versus uh, large enterprise, maybe global or national companies, and, and how they run things and the difficulty that I see in terms of people going from one uh, one culture, one position, to even an identical position within the different uh, within the different company, and you know one of the things that's really interesting is that um, even though people can understand the differences, the cultural differences, and, and maybe even why they exist. It's difficult, even with that understanding, to have people change their mindset such that they can integrate into that completely different environment. So one of the things that we do is, I mean, there's a couple things. One thing is, um, in some cases, you really need to help people examine whether or not the culture that they're they're looking at in terms of the company is really the right fit for them or, or not. Sometimes people look at the position and say, well, I'm a project manager, I'm a, an IT manager or what have you, and so I'm doing it at company A, I can do that at company B, C, and D, but they fail to recognize that the because of the difference in the style of the company, the way the company's run, the expectations, the amount of projects they'd work on, et cetera, et cetera, um, that it, it actually isn't a good fit. So what we do is we try to make a, a very thorough, deep dive with the companies when we're working with them to understand exactly what kind of company they are to work for, what their expectations are, what kind of style they have, you know, is it a work 60 hour a week kind of a place or is it a, we take half days on Fridays and have, uh, you know, have a beer party? Is it, you know, is it the kind of place where, um, where everyone does everything or where you're expected to just do your job? So I think that, uh, again, culture is so critically important and it's one of those things that is, is, is not always examined. Um, and, and one of the things that we do professionally and, and I think that provides some of our success is being able to go in and actually take a look at those things. It sounds very simple, but in practice, it's, it's, it's quite difficult. It's a lot of times a lot easier for a company to say, well, do you have skill A, skill B, skill C? Um, and again, then they're often surprised when three or four months later, uh, that turns out not to have been a good hiring decision. Does, does that, does that uh, address the topic? Oh, definitely. And Jenny, just because you've been leading the Alpert Jewish Family and Children's Services for as long as you have, what what do you think about when you are doing exactly what Evan's talking about, when you're searching to bring someone in mm -hmm. and working with someone 
How do you yeah. communicate that cultural piece? Um, I'm somewhat familiar, just to put it in real strong context, the Denison kind of organizational mm-hmm. cultural model. Mm-hmm. And so I use, frankly, my gut a lot because being in the field for so long and really being at this agency for 27 years and I started when there were five professional staff and now there's a payroll of almost 200, finding the right talent, and I call talent because, yes, we are looking for some of those technical skills, Evan, that you spoke about, mm-hmm. but it's beyond that. It really is, I think of talent as things like, is this someone that has more of an external focus? Is this going to be a good fit? Do they have more of an internal focus? Is that what this position really needs? And then things like um, adaptability and flexibility and involvement. How does someone understand the mission? And is this somebody who's going to buy into the mission? If I give them a scenario, how are they going to respond to that? Um, you know, it, it's really looking at the package as well as what that person physically or literally um, or even figuratively, I guess, brings to the table in terms of the skills and the technical knowledge. And I, I, I don't know that there's really training for this. If you're lucky enough to have a consultant who can help you work through that and really be able to articulate it, I think that's great. But you don't really get trained in this stuff when you take on a leadership position for the most part. You don't, but it's interesting. One of the competencies that is frequently called out for effective leaders is labeled things like sizing people up or good intuition about people. And most leaders say that there's a sixth sense and just in the subtleties you can, and in the language, um, that it is very intuitive about that, the culture, the fit, the mm. expectations. Um, Tita, in, instead of starting with a whole new challenge, what, what have you found ab- about that particular skill of leaders and their ability to size people up? Well, I think that um, uh, everything that, that I've heard thus far, I, I've I've been a part of, and I totally, I totally agree and get it. There's every single leadership book that I would use, a textbook, or every leader that would come and do a guest speaking, um, come as a guest speaker in one of my classrooms. One of the main things that they would say is important is self-awareness or emotional intelligence. And I, I, I think that what What's starting to happen is that a lot of companies will say their values are open and honest communication, which was one of the things that, that was at PG&E. They ended up stating open and honest communication because and making it a value because people were not being honest. And I feel that, like, if you're not able to come to work and be who you are and be honest and yet be respectful, then um, it changes Everything, it changes everything that you are trying to do and it changes your credibility and your respect level. And if it doesn't do it in, immediately, it's going to do it at some point. So I do feel like there is um, this push for self-awareness among leaders, way, as, particularly since there's a call for so much transparency. Um, mid-level managers... I, I remember when I was first wondering, what is it with mid-level managers that people have such pro- problems with? One of it is that 
as we grow in a company and you start taking on the responsibility of managing people, nobody gives you a guidebook on how to manage yourself. Nobody tells you how to be self-aware. Nobody tells you how to be self-monitoring so that you have an understanding of how to adapt to different personalities and situations. Literally, you're, for the most part, you're, you have an understanding of a procedure and process, and then you're put into managing people. And it's one of the hardest parts of growing um, is, is knowing how to manage people. So I think that, that self-awareness and having a clear understanding of who you are, your values, and then making sure that they are a match with the organization and what the organization, um, what their challenges are and what they want to do and what their vision is, is, is vitally important. And I tell that to my students all the time. Make sure that when you're being interviewed that you are also interviewing this company if you want to have a, a long career there because you want to make sure it's someplace where you feel there's a fit. Hmm. Is that what you tell them, Evan, as you send candidates out? Well, I, I do. I, I mean, I don't. I, I, I try to soften it a little bit because I, I think it's very difficult for candidates and companies to address each other's needs at exactly the same time. I think a lot of times it's better to to do it sequentially, but it's very important at some point, uh, as Tia said, to make sure that you're, um, you know, that you're a good fit for that the company's a good fit for you. Uh, obviously, you don't want to take a, a job if you feel like the values and the um, emotional intelligence, sensitivity, and cultural awareness within the organization uh, aren't aren't uh, aren't a good fit. I think a lot of times too, it's it, you know we we we're looking for that magic question to ask someone to see if they're a good cultural fit, and and I think a lot of what what everyone's spoken about today underlies the fact that it's not really a magic question or or uh, you know yes no answer. It's 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 a it's being able to be perceptive. It's asking enough questions and paying attention to the answers to understand whether someone's on the same page. Someone used the word before competencies, and I think that's so important. What we, what we work with our clients on is training them on interviewing for competencies, not interviewing on, on specific events or specific tools, because it's the competencies that are transferable the most. The tools you know, are just what you use to achieve those competencies. Hmm. Jenny, Bob. Yeah, I am sitting in the, and mostly listening, but I, I think the comment you made, uh, Tita, about there really isn't much out there or how we manage ourselves and that self-efficacy piece, mm-hmm. whether you're in a leadership position, and, and our listeners have often heard me say this, leadership doesn't mean that you're the associate CEO like I am until I become the CEO in July. It, it could be at any level within the organization. It's not just the top level. And yet, uh, you know, there's no requirement that you do your emotional intelligence quota. There's um, no requirement that you know thyself well. And yet so much of the, quote, problems that I tend to see within organizations is around some of those interpersonal relationships and not having an understanding of the role that we might play in some of that. If if I may um, just tag on that, if that's okay. I um, I showed a video, a TED Talk um, in class, and it was uh, based on introverts. And after the TED Talk, I uh, so many students came up to me and were like, thank you, my God, nobody ever talked about our story. 
Mm. And and introverts are, you know, that's a whole other set of of a this more of a behavior, or you know, but but yet how they fit into culture, you know, is and leadership roles is very very interesting. But they don't really get acknowledged. It's more of the extrovert that people see and spend more time with as being, you know, electrifying and charismatic and and transformational. However, um, they really love that somebody spoke about who they are. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes cultures are very impacted by their leaders, and um, I've seen organizations where they start out with someone who's been a calm, steady leader for a very long time, and then they get uh, a, a newer person in who's got ideas and vision, and it's not that the other person didn't, it's just a different version of that, and it does have an impact on their leadership behaviors and how the organization responds. And we can continue on with that after the break. I'm getting a cue that we need to go to a break. And thank you, Jenny, for staying with us this long. My we pleasure. Appreciate thank that. you, Evan, and uh, Tita, great to meet you, and it sounds like you can you have a well. fabulous rest of the show. Thank you. It's nice to meet you. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. G. Her email address is drg at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Did you ever stop to think that financial health can be a lot like physical health? The financial physician, Luz Katigna, has helped people on the radio for nearly 15 years. And now he's part of the Voice America Business Channel. By using medical analogies to discuss financial solutions, Lou actually makes the process easier to understand and will help you chart your own financial fitness. Tune in to The Financial Physician, live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time, and on demand anytime on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Schub. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to drg at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Hello. Thank you for staying with us over the commercial break. This is Linda Shu at OEC Strategic Solutions in San Diego. 
with guest Evan Donaldson and Tita Gray talking about culture, organizational culture. Um, let's move on from our previous discussion. Jenny has dropped off to go attend a holiday function. Um, and let's look at this a little bit differently, more from perhaps an analytical or empirical view. If I were to say, is there a recipe or what process do I follow to create, communicate, maintain, uplift my organization's culture, how would you answer that question, Tita? Uh, well, I think that, first of all, you have to, um, I'd have to identify or one would have to identify what is the issue. What, what is, what do you want to accomplish by changing the culture? Um, is it external? Is it internal? You know, you have to really kind of, I think, do a deep dive and figure out what that is. And then, and then from there, you look at what are the processes that you want to put in place. Um, when I did my research for my master's degree, I was actually part of PG&E's transformation effort. And um, I did my dis- my thesis on Peter Lewin's, if you want to talk about empirical, um, you know, using the change, the unfreezing um, change and refreezing model. But I think mm-hmm. that you have to do something like that where you have to really systematically look at things and say, where do we want to go? What do we want to, who do we want to be when we grow up? And then what are those steps that we are going to put in place to get there? Uh, I think transformation is a great process to use, but without change management being a part of that and looking at how you're going to really change people, because that's hard. Is that's one of the hardest things ever? Is just changing people. You have to really kind of look at where you want to go and what's going to be the end result, and then how are we going to start and make sure that the communication is extremely tight. Maybe even possibly looking at a, a systems thinking type of model. You know, it can be based on Peter Sanjay, a learning organization. We have characteristics that you can use to make sure that your organization is always flexible because there's always going to be a need for change. So if you want to build that culture where we have a company where we can always change and ebb and flow, then that's, if that's the, um, the end result, then you have to put processes in place to get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Um, Evan, what do you think? Well, I think that uh, Tia raises an excellent point. I, I, you know, she, she said if, if you want to create a culture uh, where you can always, you know, where you can handle ebb and change, and I would say that in my experience that, all, you know, all businesses are constantly ebbing and changing. You know, in, in, in our company we have a, a saying which is, you know, you're either moving forward or you're moving backward. You're never standing still, and I think that that's very true for a lot of companies, especially now. So I think that uh, I would even go a little stronger and say it's critically important to have, um, you know, some kind of a change management uh, uh, process in place to really understand, uh, you know, how you're going to work through those changes. But as Tita said, I think it's the, you have to start with understanding where you are and where you want to go. Um, you know, change for change's sake is, is ridiculous. In fact, it's often harmful. Change is tough. Change is hard for, for people. So, um, you know, even though it's going to happen, it doesn't make it easier. Um, you have to understand, all right, if, if we're going to change, can we manage that change? Can we, um, you know, can we influence that change? And how do we best 
survive and, and thrive from that change. And I think that when you address the, um, the overall conversation that way, you're a lot more likely for a successful outcome than if you A, ignore it, which is usually a recipe for disaster, or B, if you just say, well, change is inevitable, we'll deal with it when it comes. Um, you know, at least that's a, a recognition that things are constantly changing, but it, it's also abdicating on a critical potential to harness that change because in, in, in my business, as with a lot of businesses, quite frankly, a lot of our opportunities exist within that change. So, so really understanding and seizing the value out of that change is, is very critical. Um, Tita, what do you think? Oh, that's you. It's an, everything that you said, I'm sitting here shaking my head at, at literally every single point that you made. I, I, I couldn't have said it better. Oh, thank Absolutely. you. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, and it's funny because we overcomplicate it, and people say, wow, change is hard. Let's, let's put all... So when we're talking about process, and I don't want to speak for Tita, but, I mean, you know, process does not mean 900 rules uh, exactly. and things like that. It's just basically helping everyone to understand that, what that change entails and what it means. And, and again, when we go back to culture, it's like I, I'm not asking my people to think like somebody else. So using that example today of where I deal with someone who comes from a culture where virtually everything is a constant negotiation, I'm not asking my, my recruiter to, to think that way and to, to, to live that way. What I'm asking them to do is to understand that people come from a, a different place and a different standpoint, and while you don't have to think like them, you have to be able to understand that they think like them, <laughs> right? And I think that's really the critical piece to a lot of this change is putting yourself, it's an empathy thing. So, um, yeah. you know, I think that, that uh, when you're talking with people, screening them, interviewing them, uh, you know, qualifying them, understanding their ability to be empathetic is very important when you're uh, potentially dealing with this kind of change because a lack of empathy um, means that you better have, you know, r- rock-solid process in place um, or else it's going to be a complete disaster. You know, it's interesting because um, <clears throat> there, I'm sitting here thinking, how do you create and fill the gap from here's how we would describe our organization today and how would you like it to be in six months? And starting with those kinds of questions, it starts to reflect the culture. And if you can do statistical breakouts by anything, management level, department, um, length of time with the company, um, it strikes me that when new people come in, they bring with them a potpourri of behaviors that are not the same behaviors that tend to be common amongst uh, longer term, which is a relative term these days, but longer term employees. Um, And so they have to almost be acculturated Mm -hmm. or, you know, inculcated in the how do we say things? What do we do at meetings? Uh, you know, does your phone beep and you get up and answer it or yeah. are all phones out of sight? And um, I agree with the point that we may overcomplicate it, but I also know from coaching so many individuals, whether they were leaders or whether they were failing to be leaders, sometimes, yeah, the understanding from the individual comes from 
tell me what behaviors to do and what behaviors not to do. And a baby boomer generation doesn't think that way or has learned not to or doesn't ask, tell me what's okay and not. They ferret it out. They observe. They watch. As I'm seeing the newer workforce, um, you know, from 20 to 35, uh, moving in organizations, they don't inculcate like that. They don't adapt as much. They're focused more on their work and their life than on the greater good. And I think that, too, defines culture. So, Linda, if I may, I totally agree with what you're saying. I think the important thing for listeners to understand, though, is that, um, again, it's it's not about... uh, Getting them, to, I think acculturation is important, but I think you also want to make sure that you don't miss the opportunities for seizing on some of the benefits you might get from the new culture, the exposure to the new culture coming into the organization. You don't want everyone to march in lockstep because then you're going to miss out on some of those new and possibly exciting things that those newer folks bring into the company. Um, I'll, give you, I'll give you one example, uh, Linda. You know, you, you and I know each other fairly well. I mean, uh, people uh, at, at our at our stage in life would not go into their boss's office um, and say, I'm going to take October off to go hike the Appalachian Trail. And yet people who are 20 will come into my office and say that. They won't ask me, can I have time off? They will tell me I'm taking, you know, October off. And if I said to them, no, you can't do that, they'd say, well, I'll just get a different job when I get back, right? So it's a different and, – and, and from my upbringing and probably from your upbringing, we may not be able to wrap our heads around that. Like, I would never do that, but – it's not that we have to be that. We just have to be able to live with it. We have to be able to modify our behavior to understand, what, you know, to, to deal with that. And then also, maybe they bring something back from, maybe they would come back from that hike with something that could benefit the company. So it's, a, it's, a, it's resetting our own mindsets oftentimes that I think where the biggest benefit comes from, even though the acculturation piece is critical, otherwise you have chaos. Absolutely. I'm 100% in agreement. Both are true at the same time. Um, I think about cultures that differ, like moving from a corporate job to a public sector or from a non-regulated environment to a healthcare environment. And um, sometimes that adjustment of, like, really? I have to do that? And really? Um, is different. And everything you said is completely accurate. We constantly need to move our culture and the value that folks put on work today um, is generally equal to the value they put on their own time and their own ability to, you know, schedule their time, be in charge of their lives. Absolutely. Hello? Thoughts? I'm sorry, I had to switch over lines. Okay. Um, I, I wanted to, well, what I did want to tag onto is I, something that uh, I was actually thinking about something that um, that Evan was saying. I noticed when I was at Pacific Gas and Electric and we had some new employees coming in, it was exactly what you were saying. They would, if a meeting was going on, anything that came up that they didn't understand, an acronym or something else, they're like, excuse me, I have no idea what you're talking about. 
and they would say, well, and they would jump into um, um, conversations that more seasoned or veterans or tenured um, employees would, would be talking about or working on for months and months, and they would give their opinions. And I remember walking out of a meeting, and I was so like, I was so kind of excited, of almost laughing. Coming. Okay. Well, I just thought that it was really wonderful that they had no problem with speaking up for themselves. And if you didn't want to integrate them, they were going to integrate themselves. <laughs> yeah, fascinating. Yeah, it's a different um, set of different kind of cultural expectations. So on that note, we'll be right back. We're going to take a break. This is Leadership Matters in Forming Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. G. Her email address is drg at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. The way we do banking today continues to evolve. No longer is it just brick-and-mortar locations or traditional bankers' hours. Today, banking is 24-7. It's in the home. It's on the go. It's digital. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how traditional banking as we know it has changed due to a loss of trust, changing economic conditions and consumer behavior, government involvement, and, of course, technology. What does it all mean? Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Schub. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to drg at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Hi, thanks for staying with us. Today on Leadership Matters, I'm Linda Shub with OEC Strategic Solutions, and we have Tita Gray with Gray. Um, I'm having a space Julian and Evan Donaldson with Infotech uh, Candidate Solutions for you, and we're talking about corporate culture, organizational culture. So we talked about some examples, some different cultures. Is it really something that is a competency and how do you look for cultural fit between people and why is that important? 
to have that in a workplace. Um, given that this is our last segment, these seem to go so quickly as we go through this, I think I'll ask each of you if you can share with us a handful of uh, tips or uh, ideas that you keep in mind when you're working with uh, your students, your clients, your candidates uh, around the topic of culture and perhaps advice for if you want to change the culture, dot, dot, dot. Um, flip a coin. Uh, Evan, please go ahead. Evan, I don't, I don't mind. Or Evan, sure. You... Um, okay. So the the you know I think one of the things that's really important is when you are doing an assessment on based on culture. There, first of all, there's no universally accepted or standardized standardized cultural measure out there in the marketplace. So there's a couple things that companies and people and organizations do. One is they use you know personality assessments. Uh, there are several uh, you know out on the marketplace, um, and and I think these that those do serve some. Some benefit. I think the, it's funny though because I've seen it just as an aside. I've seen a lot of companies where they give candidates a personality assessment and they make an evaluation based on that. But the funny thing is they've never done that with their own internal employees to start with. So they're making an assessment based on where they think things should be rather than necessarily doing something based on a real uh, assessment of what's being successful within their culture and their organization um, already. So I would encourage anyone that's interested in pursuing that to make sure before you go outside and analyze other people, make sure that you analyze what, what does success look like within your organization? What does a good cultural fit look like within your organization? Um, and then and second of all, we also... De- from that legal human resource side, those personality instruments are not selection tools. They are to be used as Evan's talking about as an aid or an insight, but they're not a test. So go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. That's important. Make sure that you, you know, check with your HR or legal professionals before giving any sort of a personality test or making hiring decisions based on on uh, on these types of things. Um, that said, you know, the, what we do a lot of times is we go into a company and we ask uh, several questions, usually eight or ten questions, to try to gauge what their culture looks like. And we have a set uh, set list of questions that we ask. And again, I think a lot of times people overcomplicate it, but uh, you know, it, it, it with those eight or ten questions you can really come down to a very fine fit for the right person that's going to thrive within your organization. And a lot of them have to do with with competencies, number one. And again, number two is uh, we ask successful people within the organization those questions up front to kind of understand what success looks like. So I think one of the things that Tita brought up earlier, which is, you know, make sure you know what it is that you're measuring and what it is you're trying to accomplish. And um, with any type of cultural change that you're trying to do, you have to determine that first. Otherwise, you know, you're kind of on a bridge to nowhere. Mm-hmm. And that's good. Good comments, good thoughts. And um, Tita? Yes, yeah, so I, I actually, um, one of the things that I, I feel like climate surveys, um, pulse surveys, those types of surveys to gauge what employees are feeling are very good tools to use. However, if you're not going to do anything with them, it's a very bad thing to do. Um, right, also, never do a too, survey if you're not going to act. Right. Or if another you don't want to know the answer. Is, exactly, exactly. And another thing, too, is, don't just survey down. You have to survey up. And, and maybe you tend to find that, well, I think that surveys need to be inclusive of everyone from the CEO 
and all senior management from those folks lower. I think if you're going to survey, you really want to get a pulse of what the culture is and how people feel. It should be from the very, very top to the bottom. Otherwise, it's not really, um, I don't think it, I think it hides a huge part of the truth. I think the Denison organizational culture model is, is as um, Jenny was saying earlier, is a great model to sort of look at for organizational learning, strategic direction, core values, and all of those things as well. But at the end of the day, as Evan and I both have mentioned regarding emotional intelligence and particularly things like empathy, as a coach, I found that men have, you know, seem to have some issues sometimes around empathy. And if that sort of changes and you see those sort of changes in in um, in agenda where it's been more or less in, um, inherent, then you'll start to see a change in people. People will start communicating more. If there is a sense of a culture of empathy, folks will change more. So all of the tools and the measurements are great. But if you're not asking the correct questions... Mm-hmm. You're not gonna you're not gonna get any answers that are gonna be of any use. Oh, and if you so don't true. do something with it, that's even worse because then you lose the credibility of the people that you're trying to supposedly serve. So important. Evan, <laughs> go ahead. I was just saying that she's it's a hundred percent right on. Um, you know, you, you absolutely need to make sure that you do this in a way that doesn't damage internal credibility. It's a, it's a tool, but like any tool, it can create or it can destroy. <laughs> so you have to be careful. <laughs> That's a really good point. And if you would each quickly possibly give your website, I'm hearing the, we need to close the show. Uh, music in the background, so could you give a website or an email address if anyone has any follow-up questions for you? Uh, sure. This is Evan Donaldson. My, my website is www.eastridgeinfotech.com, and uh, I can be emailed at edonaldson at eastridgeinfotech.com. And okay, mine thank is, you. Sorry about that. And mine is um, Gray Gilliam, that's G-R-A-Y, G-I-L-L-I-A-M dot com is the website, and I can be reached at Tita, T-I-T-A, at GreyGilliam dot com. And I, in San Diego, Linda Shub, can be reached at O-E-C, Strategic Solutions dot com. So thank you again for joining us. Um, this will be on the website. If you are going to replay it or send a link to one of your colleagues, we would love and appreciate that. Um, we do anticipate that we, of course, will be back next week with more on culture. might be holiday culture because I believe next Wednesday is Christmas. <laughs> so... I hope all of our listeners and to you two, both of my guests, you were fabulous and interesting and we could probably talk about culture all day. Have a happy holiday season and to all of our listeners, have good travels, be safe and join us next Wednesday for Leadership Matters. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Schub is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter.